Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,653. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars. Yeah, I'm revved up and very excited to be talking with a guest today who's calling in from an interesting and beautiful place, Upper Saddle River, New Jersey, where his office sits by the name of Bob Austin. Bob, welcome to Cars. Yeah, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right. Well, being a fellow vintage racer, I would hope that you are. We can maybe chat about that a little bit. But before I give you a proper introduction, I want to ask you this, Bob. What's one little thing that most people don't know about you? One little thing they don't know about me is probably that I was a school teacher before I got into the automobile world. Really? What did you teach in school? I taught seventh and ninth grade science. Ah, the middle school years. Yeah. And and I did that for a year. Uh, I really enjoyed doing it. I like the, if you want to look at it this way, even though it was a science class, I like the performing arts aspect of it. I always looked at it from the standpoint of most kids in seventh and ninth grade cannot imagine what they're going to do for a living. And for certainly for many of the young ladies who were in the class at that time, they thought, what do I have to take science for? But it was my objective to try and show them things about science that would influence their lives no matter what they did and hopefully turn them on to the idea of science. So I really liked that. But after a year of doing that, I knew there were other things on the agenda. And that's that's when my world turned to cars. Well, there you go. We're going to be talking about cars. You were ahead of your time back then, Bob, because you think about STEM classes now and the importance of mathematics and sciences for both boys and girls, young men, young women, and how those fields have just exploded in the last 10, 15 years. So as I say, you were way ahead of your time. So I'm sure you were a great influence on some of those young people. Let me give you a proper introduction, and we're going to dive into your world around cars. You've had a very, very interesting career. Bob Austin is a senior executive widely recognized for achievements in building, defending, and maintaining two of the world's most respected automotive brands, Rolls-Royce and Volvo. Well-known and respected by automotive leaders in the media, often recognized for innovation, achievements, and presentation skills, Bob is sought out by a wide variety of professionals desiring an unbiased perspective in the automotive and luxury marketing fields. He's a principal at R. Austin Consulting, helping a select group of long-term clients and business partners on a project basis. He restores and races vintage sports cars, judges at auto shows and concours events, and is a columnist and writer on automotive topics. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Bob, but first a word from our valued sponsors. Give them a kind ear because they're the reason we're here today. Sit tight, keep your seatbelt on, and we'll be right back. Did you know Covercraft offers you much, much more than car covers, floor mats, seat covers, and trunk liners? When you visit Covercraft.com, you'll find Cologne Custom Bras, Labra Front End Covers, and hood protectors that protect your vehicle's front end while on a road trip. No more rock chips or hours removing nasty bug jerky from your grill and your paint. You'll find vehicle seatback organizers that keep everything in check, perfect for those kids in the back seat, Spidey Gear webs, 
that keeps cargo that's in your truck bed safely in place. Seat heaters, cargo bars, pro nets, rooftop carriers, bumper frames, bump steps, pet ramps, pet travel barriers to keep Fido in the back seat, tire covers, Carhartt backpacks, cooler bags, tote bags, tool bags, and zipper tote bags to keep everything secure. And don't forget their dash mat dashboard covers that shield the sun's damaging UV rays. Covercraft offers you an incredible list of solutions for your favorite rides. They're easy to install, easy to remove pet protection pads, are easy to wash too, and protect your floors and seats from Fido's damaging claws and messy fur and air. And here's something special from me here at Cars Yeah. If you use the code YAH120 at checkout at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off on me. Covercraft.com. Go there and use the code YEAH120 at checkout for that 10% discount. Covercraft, they've got you covered. When it was time to renew my last policy for my collector car, my carrier's rates went up. They went way up. But my usage was the same, and I never had made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? I was too. So I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, am I glad I did. I'm saving hundreds of dollars I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provide me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a history of taking care of their clients. What could be better than that? Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, we are back. And I want to start this journey of your life, Bob, with a success quote or a mantra. I have a feeling you are a man of great words. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires smoking a little bit here on Cars. Yeah. So, Bob, I know you love to drive. Take the wheel. Well, very good, Mark. If I were to leave all of your listeners with one thought, I would say the most important one is be nice to everyone. And I know that sounds, uh, you know, that sounds a little widespread and a little kind of unautomotive in a sense. I mean, shouldn't you be that all the time? Well, of course you should. But if you take the automobile industry, for example, it sounds like a huge industry and it employs millions of people around the world, but it's an incredibly small community. And your chances in the automobile community of coming up to work with somebody you've met at an earlier time uh, somewhere else is very, very high. And so for that little extra effort that it takes to be nice to everyone you come in contact with, it will return uh, that investment handsomely. No doubt. No doubt. And you were referred to me by a past guest, a great guest here on Cars, yeah, Burton Hall, who said, you've got to talk with Bob. He's a spectacular guy. He has some wonderful stories and he's just great, just all around nice person and there you go. It's worked for you. But I agree with you, Bob. 
I run across people all the time in this tight-knit circle, and I've interviewed over 1,650 people now with you being 1,653 on the show, and everybody seems to know somebody who knows somebody who eventually is somebody that you know or you've run across. But you know what? In life, and especially these days, it's just plain old nice to be nice to people and use that old golden rule, as I always uh, refer back Absolutely, to. But it is easily not forgotten, but basically ignored. Exactly, I mean, in yeah. the interest of time, in the in- interest of pressures and what have you, but boy, sometimes you're just better off taking a breath, smiling, and saying thank you. Yes. <laughs> it will pay handsome returns. It does. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your past career and we can move forward into what you're doing these days. But you work for two huge companies and two companies that were pretty much, I won't say opposed, but so different. Rolls-Royce and <laughs> Volvo. I mean, we're talking about more of a utilitarian type vehicle and something that is a vehicle of dreams uh, that most people can only uh, think about owning. So uh, talk a little bit about the enjoyment you've had in your very long, illustrative career, and then move us forward into today and some of the fun things that you're doing as well. And maybe throw in a little bit of racing in there too, because I love vintage racing. Okay, very good. If I look back at my career, I think it really started when I was in uh, not even high school, but junior high school. And uh, I lived in a town not too far from here called Park Ridge. And Park Ridge, when I moved out there, was uh, pretty rural. In fact, there was a man with an apple orchard at the end of our block. He had a kind of farm cart. It was made out of a Crosley, an American Crosley, and it had the body removed. It had a little four-cylinder engine, and it had a little cart, uh, or not cart, but a a platform on the back that they used to fill apple baskets with and drive to the front of the yard. Hmm. And uh, I I had seen that, and it was like, that's really cool. I, I can relate to that. My father at the time had a 57 Chrysler which, of course, was a dry, dramatic-looking automobile with a big V8 engine. It was like 19 feet long, giant fins, and it was great. But I was 13, and it was so big, I couldn't even imagine driving that. Yes. But this little Crosley, this Crosley-powered farm truck, hey, I could imagine that. I, I was as big as it was. It, it only had 12-inch wheels, you know. Yeah. So the people with the apple orchard were moving. And they said they couldn't take their cart. And I went to school with the son of the uh, orchard operator. And I said, would your dad consider selling it? And he said, yeah. And I asked my dad if I could have it and described it to my dad as being not much bigger than a go-kart. He said, yeah, I guess you can have it. So I brought the Crosley home. And I, I, of course, I was not nearly old enough to have a driver's license, but I took it apart, put it together, took it apart, put it together (laughs) and played with it for years. And that really turned me on to automobiles and the mechanical aspect, aspects rather of automobiles and the fun that you can have working on them. So that opened my eyes to cars. Uh, I had a wonderful time in high school. An interesting part of my high school uh, was the fact that while we grew up in New Jersey, my dad was in the motion picture business. And one year, he was asked by the camera company that 
he worked for, a company called Mitchell Camera, which made all the big studio cameras to come out to Hollywood and supervise the creation of a new motion picture camera that would be handheld and silent and would revolutionize the film industry. Of course, that was the first revolution between big studio cameras and cameras you could hold, only to be about uh, two decades later, all history as a result of video. But nonetheless, we had to move to California for one year, and we moved to Hollywood. Wow. And uh, while I was still not old enough for a license here in New Jersey, in California, I was old enough to get a motorcycle license. So we moved out to California. I got my motorcycle license. My dad bought me a used Lambretta motor scooter. Oh, nice. And I was driving. And where (laughs) was I driving? I drove to Hollywood sports cars. I drove to Dean Jeffries' custom shop. I went to George Barris' shop. Wow. I went to some of, I met Max Balchowski who built Old Yeller and cars like that. So to be of driving age and in Hollywood, California, which was a hotbed of just about everything unique in the automotive world was fantastic. So we did that for a year and then we came back to New Jersey. I graduated high school. Since I loved cars so much, I decided I'd go to engineering school and learn how to design them. And uh, I did go to engineering school, but I discovered that You know, I probably wasn't cut out to be an engineer because engineers tended to be very efficient in their use of language. It was yes or no, good or bad, Mm. fit or not fit, strong enough or not strong enough. And I found that I was a person who loved to deal in nuances, in small details, in slightly different in in very small shades of gray. And in the world of engineering, that made me kind of a misfit. I see. So I I switched in. I went out to college for engineering uh, to Milwaukee uh, and the Milwaukee School of Engineering. And I drove out there in a 1951 MGTD. Oh, cool. And, you know, we were talking before about racing. Yeah. Okay. When you drive on a highway in an MGTD, one of the racing lessons you learn almost immediately is the secret and effectiveness of drafting. (laughs) To try and go 60 miles an hour in an MGTD is all but impossible unless you can get behind a big tractor trailer and then you can literally see your speed go up and listen to your engine relax as you get sucked down the highway behind the truck. <laughs> yep. And I did that many, many, many times. Uh, and uh, when I was out in Wisconsin and studying engineering, I uh, was driving the MG one day after owning it about two years, about halfway through high school. And a man was driving up a street in Milwaukee in the opposite direction, signaling to turn left, And I figured he would do what most people signaling to turn left do, and that is wait until the opposing traffic going straight passed by. But he just drove into the front of my MGTD. Oh, no. Well, we we were fine. The people in my MG were fine. He was fine. 
my MG bit the dust. Yeah, yeah. And so I I got an insurance settlement for an incredible amount of four hundred dollars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and my, of course, told my father about all of this. My father said, "Well." You've got $400. You better figure out something that's going to work for $400. And I thought, I, geez, okay, let me see what I'm, I can figure out to drive. And again, when I was a kid in New Jersey, I used to listen to a wonderful man on the radio named Gene Shepard. And Gene Shepard is the man who wrote a Christmas story. Oh, okay. Yes. You'll shoot your eye out. Oh, yeah. I love it. My favorite Christmas movie. (laughs) Yes. And Gene Shepard had a wonderful show in the evening where he would tell stories about his youth and what have you. And Gene Shepard also did live read commercials for Volvos and talked about the fact that the doors closed with a kerthunk and the cars lasted 11 years, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm in Milwaukee where they invented cold winters. <laughs> and I had suffered those cold winters in an MGTD with side curtains, oh no gosh. heater, and no defroster. And I thought I might be able to afford a used Volvo. So I looked around and found a 1957 Volvo PV444. Mm-hmm. That's the one that looks like an old 44. Yes, the big bug. Yep. So I, I saw that. It had indeterminate mileage on it because the <laughs> odometer had stopped working, but it was 11 years old. And Volvo had advertised their cars as Volvo, the 11 year car. And I thought, well, I may be pushing it, but if it can last 11 years, it'll probably last 12 years. So it happened to be conveniently priced at $400. <laughs> Perfect. And that's when I bought my first Volvo. And uh, it was an incredible experience. First of all, it had a wonderful heater. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And uh, that made a big difference in Wisconsin winter. It would start whenever you wanted it to start. It didn't have Lucas Electrics. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, it was quite reliable. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was actually faster than my MG was and handled at least as well as my MG TD. And I absolutely loved that car. It was fantastic. And my good experience with that car was literally to change my life. I didn't know it at the time that I bought it, but it really did. And so I graduated uh, from not the Milwaukee School of Engineering where I had started, but I realized I was probably not cut out to be an engineer, so switched to a little college called Milton College in Milton, Wisconsin, and ended up with the most peculiar degree anyone has ever heard of. I ended up with a Bachelor of Arts in Science. In science. Okay. Hmm. In science. In okay. Science. It was actually physics and chemistry. Oh. Can you imagine a Bachelor <laughs> of Arts in Physics and Chemistry? Interesting. And I think probably the uh, the logical translation of that would be, it's like, I don't know everything about it, but I sure can tell a good story. So it, <laughs> it made me, uh, it, it actually did put me in a great position to become a science teacher. Yeah. And I did that for a year. And uh, I, I think my students, and it was, in fact, 50 years ago 
that I taught school. Wow. And the interesting thing is I still live in the same general area. And as late as last week, I ran into one of my students. It amazes me that they can even still recognize me. <laughs> you made an impression, Bob. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Well, yeah. The other funny part of it is most of the students that I taught are now retired. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of frightening. No, I don't think it is. I think you figured out what you love to do because uh, I remember my father when he retired from architecture and got even more busy. He said, you know, sitting around watching TV it will kill you. You got to stay busy. You got to keep doing things. You, right. you need a purpose. You have to keep moving. Exactly. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right, $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yow for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. Let's step away from the conversation and talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yow, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture, across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. Among these nonprofits is TechForce Foundation, a great organization dedicated to solving the technician shortage that threatens the transportation industry today. By providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession, TechForce is bringing bright young students into the auto, diesel, aviation, marine, motorcycle, motorsports, and restoration worlds. To date, they've awarded more than $10 million in scholarships and grants to tech students. And in times like these, I don't have to tell you how essential those techs are. Keeping our delivery and emergency vehicles running and keeping America rolling. To learn more about TechForce or to make a donation to this cause, visit www.techforce.org. You'll be glad you did. So what do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 podiums, multiple Daytona wins, and a win at Le Mans? Racer and the Racers Group team owner, Kevin Buckler, founded Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series. These are four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, wrapped in a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends, titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Apex. It's a rich and complex blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, 
Syrah, and Cabernet Franc. This blend is a showcase of perfection and hits the apex with its full-bodied smooth finish. An added very cool option is the label. It's a multi-dimensional rumble strip apex reminiscent of Turn 4 at Laguna Seca. The racing series is a spectacular gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, at checkout, you get $10 off any purchase of the wines from the racing series. Your wine ships promptly and arrives quickly. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com today and use the code CARSYEAH. Cheers! I wanted to ask you about Volvo Saved My Life Club because we talked, you spoke about that, Volvo. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. After I was done teaching, I wanted to get a job in the car business and I interviewed with two companies. Uh, they were both here in northern New Jersey. I held both of them in very high regard. One was Mercedes Benz and the other was Volvo. And uh, I interviewed very soon after the school year got out in June. And then I didn't hear anything in June. I didn't hear anything in July. And, man, I was beginning to panic. And literally, sort of on August 1st, I got a letter in the mail from both companies offering me a job. Oh, my gosh. And interestingly, both companies were offering me the same job in their organization. That job was consumer affairs. I would be the consumer of one of the consumer affairs reps talking to people on the phone and answering letters that they had sent in. I would love to tell you about uh, all the wonderful things that the cars had done for them. But I would tell you in both cases, most of the people who decide to contact you generally have an issue. Okay, yes. So yeah. <laughs> it, it required a, a good degree of skill to do these jobs. But I decided, having met the people at uh, Mercedes-Benz and having met the people at Volvo, I thought I'd be a better fit at Volvo. Mm. Uh, and the reason is the people at Volvo tended to be kind of casual. They, of course, all wore ties at that time, mm -hmm. but they didn't sit at their desk with their jacket on. Some of them even had beards. And uh, they, they were very collegial. They were very, very nice and casual people. The people at Mercedes-Benz, they were wonderful people, but they were very formal. I mean, everyone wore a three-piece jacket, you know, complete with a vest. They never took their vest off, and they rarely took their jacket off. And um, I just could not see myself fitting there, although I really respected their cars. So I opted to go to Volvo. And on my first day in the consumer affairs department, I said, what do I do? They said, when that phone rings, you answer it. Here's a stack of mail that came in. And here was a, a classic old school dictaphone. Mm -hmm. And they said, you, you dictate answers to these letters uh, on this dictaphone. And we give them to the ladies in the office who will type them into letters and send them out. Wow. Good. Yeah. Okay. So I pick up this stack of letters, and I would say probably the third or fourth letter in was a letter that actually changed my life. And so I pick up this letter, and I look at it, and the essence of it was, I'm writing to tell you 
uh, a story that really changed my life. I was sitting home, it's written by a woman. I was sitting home one Friday night and there was a knock on my door. When I answered the door, there was a policeman standing there. And the policeman said, Madam, uh, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but there's been an accident and your son has been involved. And she said, I, I almost passed out right there. And he said, no, 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 relax. Okay, relax. There has been an accident. Your son was in it. He was in it in the Volvo that he was driving, your Volvo. And uh, he is absolutely all right. He's in the hospital. It's our standard protocol to take him to the hospital. And he's there, and I'm going to take you down to see him. And so she said, I was hysterical. And we got in the car and drove in the police car down to the hospital. And on the way, the policeman said to me, you know, in my business, you see a lot of car crashes. And some of them have very, very sad endings. He said, and in this case, uh, your son hit a tree with his Volvo 1800, the sports car Volvo. And he said, and I've seen crashes before. And he said, I believe that your car saved his life. Yes, sure. He said, had he been in any other car, we wouldn't be going to the hospital to see him. Wow. And she said, so, you know, my son was fine. You know, he did have some bruises and what have you, but our, the car was really totaled out. And so I just felt compelled to write you and express my happiness with your car and tell you that I personally believe that my Volvo saved my son's life. And I read that letter and I thought, first of all, how do you respond to this woman? You know, wh what do you say? Uh, here's $500 off against the price of a new car. You know, I mean, no, no, you can't do that. This, this is heartfelt. This is somebody's eternal gratitude. You know, this is somebody making a statement about how their life was literally changed. At least two lives were changed by the performance of an automobile. And I, did end up writing her a very nice letter and thank her for sharing that story. But I just couldn't really figure out what was the right thing to do about it. And I mean, I'd been at work, you know, hours, and I was not in a position to change policy at the company. So I sort of filed it in that corner of your mind that you do those things and, and, and realized that this is a car company that actually stands for something. Uh, and, and in fact, when I went to work for them, the, the watchwords of the company were durability, reliability, quality, and safety. That was what Volvo was about. And, it, you know, they really lived by that. So, again, I filed this away in my mind. I, I answered lots of letters about a year into that job, uh, Volvo came up. They decided we need to make our dealers more sophisticated. We need to teach them more about the brand. We need to teach them more about business. And so having been a teacher, the company pursued me and said, why don't you get in our training department and you can train our dealers oh, cool. uh, and, and teach them. So I ended up in the training department, spent more time with dealers, 
told them the Volvo story. And again, by this time, I had seen many, many more stories about Volvo saving people's lives, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, worked in all different parts of Volvo, including being part of the team that introduced Volvo heavy trucks to the U.S. Mm. And so that that's another part of my uh, my history, the heavy truck part. But still, at that point, I had not figured out the right way to leverage these experiences of people who had had terrible accidents. And so in 1978, uh, I went back to the car operation from the truck operation. I was now in charge of public relations, and I had kind of the budget and the authority to do something new. And I create, I figured out the right solution and created something called the Volvo Save My Life Club. Cool. And uh, in the Volvo Save My Life Club, uh, it was not the kind of club that anybody ever set out to be a member of. No, <laughs> no, exactly. <Because laughs> you know, the uh, the entrance uh, exam was a tough a one. A very tough one, yeah, to survive. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so what happened is we continued to get those letters to be honest, at the rate of about one a day, wow! they always came into Volvo. And uh, uh, finally, when I was head of PR, we created the Volvo Save My Life Club. We created a protocol that enabled us to evaluate the letters uh, in many cases and ask for pictures so we could tell if it was a genuinely life-threatening accident or mm-hmm. simply a parking lot damage, you know, because we we wanted this club to have meaning, and we did. And what would happen is a customer would write us, we would evaluate it with people from our safety department and uh, the consumer affairs department. We would then inform the customer's dealer that we were inducting one of their clients into the Save My Life Club. And we would have the ceremony at the dealership. And it, it was a good public relations opportunity. It was a very satisfying customer opportunity. It did make customers uh, for life. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just a great thing. And it, it took me 20 years to go from reading that first letter to being in a position where I could do something about it. But it was a valuable part of uh, what the Volvo brand was about. It was a way to bring the Volvo brand to life. Yeah. And I must say, I I retired from Volvo cars in 2002, okay? But in 2013, Volvo in China, okay? Now, that's not – the headquarters of Volvo is still in Gothenburg, Sweden, but – Volvo has an operation in China, and the people over there at Volvo, uh, some of them knew me from the old days, and they called me up and said, we'd like you to come over here and speak at the Guangzhou Auto Show and explain to people the concept and the reality of the Volvo Save My Life Club. Nice. And uh, I, I was hugely honored. I mean, I had been out of Volvo for 11 years at that point. Right. And they flew me over to China, 
and I got to speak at the auto show. I got to meet many Chinese journalists and talk about the Volvo Save My Life Club. And this is something that may find a little bit uh, hard to understand or believe, uh, but it is a fact that most of the drivers in China today, their parents didn't drive cars. Mm, okay. They, they rode bicycles largely. Yeah. And so you have a generation of drivers over there now who are buying cars like crazy. I mean, uh, there are many more people participating in uh, a, a more uh, sophisticated lifestyle than we generally used to associate with China. They have a lot more people with more purchasing power, uh, more exposure to the West. They love uh, name brand products. Uh, they, they're a big market for China. In fact, a company called Geely, uh, which is a Chinese company, acquired Volvo. So Volvo is owned by a Chinese company, but the headquarters is still in Sweden and the engineering is largely done in Sweden. And most uh, of the cars still come from Sweden, but we do build cars in China as well and sell them in China. But they're a new car market, a new market to the car culture. And so I spoke to them about safety. Nice. And about sharing their stories about safety. And the Chinese people, they're, they're a little bit different than we are. They're less inclined to share stories, personal stories. Mm -hmm. So it, it was kind of shocking for them a little to some degree, but they did get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the things that you and I and your listeners feel about cars, they are too. But the the trick is they didn't learn about it when they were kids. Yeah. It's sort of all new to them. Uh, we're going to take a short break and thank our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Bob's personal history with cars. So sit tight and keep the seatbelt on. Stay safe. We'll be right back. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me 
through the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. All right, we're back, and I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. You talked about that Crosley, which was fascinating, but is there a pivotal moment in your life, or was that it, when you knew you were going to be a car guy? I think it was. I think that was the one. And I think the thing that really did it was the fact that the Crosley was in scale with me as a 13-year-old boy. Yes. I mean, as I said, American cars in that era, at, at you know, the 50s, 55, 56, 57, cars were gigantic. And as a, a young guy, I just couldn't imagine driving a car that big, but a Crosley or a Bug-Eye Sprite, or a Porsche Speedster. These were beginning to be cars that I could actually imagine driving. And so that's that's what made cars real to me, were small cars. Yeah. And so I I still have, not only do I still have a spot for them, but I have a Crossley Hotshot. <laughs> you sent me a picture of that. Yeah, that's a very, yep. very unique car. What was your first really special car in your life? Um... I, I would say my first really special car, at least to me, was my MGTD because uh, when I, my father said uh, he would buy me any car I wanted for my 17th birthday. That's when you were allowed to drive here in New Jersey at 17. Wow. Okay. So I said, any car I want for my birthday? <laughs> he said, yes, as long as it doesn't cost more than $400. Yeah, there you so, go. <laughs> And so uh, he ended up, uh, you know, he was good to his word. And I found an MGTD that was all apart and took me two trips in a pickup truck to bring home. And that was the MGTD that I built between April of uh, 1964 and September and drove out to Wisconsin. Wow. So, I mean, I, I literally rebuilt it, painted it, restored it, and drove it out to Wisconsin. So that's a car that was like getting my master's degree in uh, automotive Automotive technology. technology. Yeah, and it will always be special. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, my dad had a TC when I was a little boy. That's what started Mm. it for me. Well, Bob, I'm going to crawl into your head here and be a little bit of a psychologist. Bit of an introspective question. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle— manifest as a vehicle. This isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive your personality manifest as a vehicle. What would Bob Austin be? Bob Austin would be a Volvo 740 turbo wagon. Okay. You're the first one of those on this show. (laughs) Now, why that? (laughs) Why? Because it may well look like a brick. I'll be the first to admit that. Yeah. However, okay, Because it's a Volvo wagon, you can put anything you want in the back of it. Mm. I mean, I I hesitate to tell you all the things we've had in the back of Volvo wagons. Okay, They're (laughs) they're very utilitarian. Yes. They're very comfortable to sit in and comfortable to drive for hours on end. With the turbo engine, they are way faster than anyone would ever imagine. I mean, they're, they're not a supercar, but... They're terrific. They'll get you there. And you can tow a trailer with it. You can do whatever you need to do. Uh, It's comfortable. And, you know, again, under the worst possible circumstances, uh, you can generally walk away from it in a Volvo wagon. So, (laughs) I mean, I, I see it as being what I am, the kind of thing that you can always count on. 
Uh, it's comfortable, it's easy to be around, and it won't let you down. I love so it. Perfect. I think my personal values and its mechanical values are one. Nice way to answer that question. You did a great job. All right, we're entering what I call the last lap. This is a bit of a lightning round. Calls for some quick, responsive answers to a bunch of quick questions. So sit tight, and uh, we'll expect some blips of that Volvo throttle from you. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? I think that one would be I try always to be nice to people. Yeah, there you go. That where we where we started today. Now here's one. If I could arrange for you to sit down and have a drink or a meal with anybody in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be? I think it would probably be Henry Ford. And why is that? Because he's the man who really changed the nature of automobile ownership. Before Henry Ford, cars were for a very select few people. And because of Henry Ford, first of all, making the Model T Ford and then having uh, some interesting realizations that until he paid people on his assembly line enough money so that they could afford to buy cars, that there would not be widespread ownership of cars. Mm. So he made cars affordable to the most people. He put cars in our culture. Absolutely. More than anyone else. Yeah, So I, that's absolutely true. Now, when it comes to automotive advice, what's the best advice someone else ever offered to you? The best advice that people ever gave me is just go for it. Mm. You know, <laughs> that if, if you believe you should be doing that, at least try it. Yes. And I think, you know, I've seen that in other things we talked before about racing. I have raced. Uh, I'm not racing currently because it's taken me 22 years to build my current vintage race car, <laughs> and it's not done yet. Well. But but at any rate, uh, just try it. Yes, try okay. it. It's great. Don't yeah. doubt yourself. Absolutely. Yep. Great advice. Well, there are so many resources for us folks today. Is there one in particular that's a regular go-to for you? Maybe this is an app you find yourself using. It doesn't have to be car-related, but it can be. Could be a website, could be a person in your life. I'll tell you what, I, I'm a book guy. I'm a paper man. Okay. And I, I one of the things that I have done over the years is acquire a, just a huge library. And uh, I find that very, very helpful. And if, uh, if I also may share one thought yes. with your audience, who I'm sure are all people uh, who are automobile collectors and automobile enthusiasts. Uh, the one thing I would say to you is please think about what's going to happen to your collection after you're gone. Mm -hmm. And that may sound like a sad note. I mean, I've had wonderful people I've been associated with, and sooner or later, we all leave. Yes. Okay. We're not <laughs> yeah. here forever. Yeah. We may be here indefinitely, but not forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the things that you leave behind can be very uh, confusing for your relatives, your sons and daughters. So think about what you're going to do with this stuff now before it ends up in their lap. 
I had a great guest here on Cars Yeah not too long ago, Greg Prince, who owns and operates collector car appraisals. And he does exactly that. He helps people who have lost loved ones who are collectors and have a lot of memorabilia or automobiles to define and clarify the true value so they know and can get the most they can from those. I'll put a link to Greg's show and to his website under your resources recommendations he's a great resource for that for helping people and and again for a guy with a lot of books (laughs) yes uh, my daughter's already talking to me about them yeah dad what are we going to do with all these books i'm in the same boat (laughs) i'm glad you mentioned books because uh, this could be difficult but maybe not we talk about one you've read recently i asked all my guests to reference a book a recommendation of a book that perhaps you've read recently it doesn't have to be cars it could be business could be life anything but if you could pick one that sticks out today what would it be Another one. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's something you mm, recently read. I, I was thinking that the, uh, books that I would recommend to people right now, especially in our current environment, which is people haven't had a good laugh lately. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I would challenge your readers to go find a copy of a book by Gene Shepard. That's J E A N. S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D, and one of his books, which is quite a good one, it's called Excelsior, You Fathead. (laughs) Just the title makes you laugh. (laughs) Yes. Gene Shepard books are incredibly funny. They are about the childhood that either you had or, in many cases, you wish you had. But they are memories that everybody can associate with. And again, in today's very strange world between, you know, the highly political world that we live in and the complications of COVID and what have you, we all need a good laugh. Okay. This is not a a recently printed book, but you can find Gene Shepard books on virtually any book site. Barnes & Noble has them. You can find them all over Amazon. I think everybody needs a good laugh. And I recommend Gene Shepard. Sounds like a great one. I'll remind listeners, too, your local libraries, awesome resource for books. Absolutely. And if you can borrow them, they'll send them to your tablet if you like audiobooks or if you like to read. Incredibly untapped resource that so many people don't think about that your tax dollars have already paid for. And you can even recommend books. My wife last night, sitting in bed, listening to one of her audiobooks she gets free. She was ordering several books from them. They'll go buy the books and they'll send them to you right to your tablet. So check it out. Gene Shepard, Excelsior, you fathead. I'll have to get my hands on that. All right, Bob, we are up to the checkered flag. This last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a collector car today. I want it to be something fun, not a daily driver. It doesn't have to be anything responsible. You can have some fun with this thing, but it's the only one that you can have in your garage. So it needs to tick a lot of boxes. So what am I going to buy for Bob Austin today? Um, I guess I would tell you if, if there were one car I would like to have, it would probably be uh, an Aston Martin DB4. I'm not a cheap date. Uh, no, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I think, you know, the James Bond connection there has really been something to me that I don't know why. Maybe I watched the movie at just the right time, but that is the ultimate cool car. 
Yeah. Well, I would love to get you one of those. Do you have a color? Silver, of course. Uh, The the classic Bond color, Mr. (laughs) Bond. Yeah. Well, I have a great picture of uh, Bob, and I'll let you folks know you'll find it on the website where he looks a bit Bondish. Uh, looks like you have a timing gun in your hand. I believe that's what you're holding in that picture. That is exactly what it is. Okay. And I mean, uh, I, I, Sean Connery is not worried about me taking his place in films. <laughs> but I thought it was just a, a wonderful, iconic photograph. It is. Uh, that, you know, that, that was originally part of the movie poster. Yeah. But I, I got my wife and daughter, both of whom are artists and photographers, and I said, come on. You can never actually make me James Bond, but you could make me at least look a bit like him. Well, you did a great job. It made me smile, Bob. You know what, Bob? I think I'm going to have to have you back. I think we could talk for hours. You have so many wonderful stories. And uh, most definitely, uh, Burton Hall uh, suggested a great guest to be here on Cars. Yeah, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really appreciated you sharing so much with me. So before I let you go, could you offer us maybe one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset, Mr. Bond, in that Aston Martin TV4? Yeah, I, uh, there actually is one thing I did want to say to you and your listeners today, and that is uh, the automobile business is a wonderful business to be in. And uh, I know uh, at, at this point in time, everyone wants to go to college. Everyone feels obliged to go to college and get a degree and what have you. I don't wish to kind of push people out of going to college, but college actually isn't for everyone. There are a lot of people who have wonderful skills with their hands. They like to work on their own. They are great problem solvers. And sitting behind a desk is not the right solution for everyone. Now, I can tell you this, that if you're looking for a degree of independence, if you want to live wherever you want to live around this country and have the freedom to move somewhere else and transport your skills with you, I really recommend more people look into the automotive trades. Mm, yes. Uh, if, if you were to go out today and, and, and you had a diploma uh, from a technical school, you can get a job virtually in whatever city you want to go to. Mm. They need automotive technicians. They are the toughest position to fill in dealerships. And as we all know, there are dealerships everywhere. Guys who are uh, automotive technicians are very happy. They earn really good money here in the New York area. Uh, Most of them exceed $100,000 a year. Uh, And the other thing is a really good technician ends up getting recruited by other dealerships, and they often get signing bonuses that are in the $25,000 yeah. price range. It's so incredible. I encourage people, you know, and I mean, many young people love working on cars and would think about doing that, but they're afraid they would let their parents down because they're not going to college. I don't think there's anything wrong with college, but there are a lot of people coming out of colleges with degrees, and then they can't find a job. If you become an automotive technician, you always find a job. And we talk a lot about electric cars these days. I think electric cars are definitely coming. 
even if I still like gasoline burning cars and internal <laughs> combustion engines, but eventually there will be uh, lots of electric cars. Those cars will need to be repaired as well. So the trade will not go away. It may change, but it won't go away. Absolutely. So that's, well that to me uh, is a very important piece of information that I would like to pass along. Very important for sure. My uh, my Tech Force charity of choice here at Cars yeah, is all about that. So you check out Tech Force. Bob, you have taken us on a great ride today. I'll make sure I put a link to your website, R. Austin Consulting. Is that the best way for people to follow along with you? Don't worry about that. You can just put my my email address up. I, I don't mind that. Okay. I, I love to talk to people. I am also serving uh, as a board member with a 501c3 charity that is has the name of Great Karma. Okay. Yeah. G-R-E-A-T-C-A-R-M-A dot okay. org. Great. Okay. And uh, that is a charity that exists to encourage people to go into the trades. We give out scholarships. We talk to young people about getting work in the automotive trades. And honestly, when we talk to people at high school, we talk to them about all the trades, including plumbing and what have you, uh, HVAC, because we need people to do those jobs. Yes. And they're quite good paying jobs, but... Sometimes it's a tough sell for your family to try and get your family to realize you would prefer not to go to college, but go to a trade school. It's a tough sell sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll make sure I put links to that on Bob's show notes page here at CarsYad. Just go to CarsYad.com, type in Bob Austin, and you'll find everything right there. Again, a nice shout out to Burton Hall for introducing me to Bob This has been a great conversation. I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing a little part of your story. I think it's a much bigger story than what we got to hear today. Uh, Thank you for calling in. And until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you today. And I'd love to meet all of your listeners. So um, see you down the road. That's going to be a big party, probably tens of thousands, but we'll have some fun (laughs) for sure talking cars. Thanks again. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!